Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is this the end for the Warriors? What are the Raptors doing so well? Can Golden State get healthy enough to get back in this series? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show slash podcast slash hangout with Jared Weiss after a game in the finals. We, it is in the books. The, the uh, Warriors have been down 2-1 in three other series during the entire playoff run they've had over the last five years. Um, Jared, what do you make of this 2-1 lead? <laughs> this one's a little more horrifying because the Warriors are thin on reinforcements and we saw what happens when Klay Thompson goes down. So, I mean, I guess they held him out tonight, hoping that that means that he's playing the rest of the series. I don't think they're going to win this series if he's not playing the rest of it. I agree. We already have a couple of super chats. We got to just give those a shout out right now. Alexander Varga, thank you so much for being in here. And he has a question. Let's just jump right into questions. Why not? Will the refs be good anytime during the series? Well, I tweeted it out saying I couldn't believe I had to write this, but the refs were actually worse in game uh, three than they were in game two. And I had to do a two parter with Ronnie yesterday and the day before to, to go over all the calls. Ronnie has, you know, some, uh, a dental emergency. So I don't know if he's available to do another show tomorrow. I hope he is. But, uh, Jared, we, uh, what do you make of the refereeing? Well, this, this was pretty brutal when you say. I think all my teeth would fall out if I saw the, you know, the one that really got to me was the call where it was a Danny Green runs into Steph Curry who's defending in the corner that I think you tweeted out and so and Danny Green like runs to hand the ball off to Van Fleet or whoever was in the corner and for some reason it looked like they called a foul on Green and it was just so perplexing I have absolutely no idea why Green who's running in to hand the ball off would be the one that would get the call there it's it, it made no sense whatsoever and then obviously we're gonna have to talk about some missed goaltend calls too although even if they did miss a bunch of goaltends, Ibaka and Green were just unbelievable playing above the rim tonight. You know, the, the whole team was great, I thought, as far as um, the way they were active and live. It certainly comparison to the Warriors, who just seemed like they just didn't have the same kind of energy. They didn't have the same kind of attack and loose balls. So they certainly didn't, like, deserve to win, per se. They couldn't get stops when they needed it. So I don't want to look at the referees and say, gosh, you know, that was it. And by the way, both teams, I think, had equal complaints, uh, I think. It may have skewed in favor of the, of the Raptors, believe it or not, in the second half a little bit more. But um, but just blatant stuff. Yeah, the Danny Green one uh, was, was, uh, was terrible. I'm sorry, the, the one where um, Quinn Cook runs into Lowry was terrible. And it was just like, just didn't even get to understand how the game worked. I, I, if I check my notes, I have some more. But we, yeah, let me just go quickly with another super chat right, real quick. From uh, Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second Stan. Coach, can you please address Kawhi's Harden-like manipulation of fouls? Okay, well, since we're already on the subject, um, let's talk about that for a second. Because, you know, if you want to compare Kawhi going to the basket versus Steph going to the basket, it, it's it's really strange that, like, he Kawhi is... What's Kawhi doing to get those fouls that Steph isn't doing? 
being bigger and making it more. I mean, I don't know because there were a lot of plays where Steph would take contact on like that first crossover towards like the free throw line area, and I thought for sure they would give him the call most of the time, and he wasn't getting it. So that was definitely surprising. Um, I feel like sometimes at a certain point that if you're like a one-man offense and you're just driving really hard every single time, at a certain point the refs just aren't going to call it for you. Um, I guess it depends how much you work him over. I mean, James Harden looks like he's going to pull out like a chainsaw and start murdering people every time someone <laughs> breathes on him and he starts flailing. I mean, I mean, Harden flops an insane amount, really kind of a frustrating amount. And I, I say to someone who's been a lifelong Harden stand, but like that's what he does and it works. And I don't think Curry complains at that level. I mean, Curry tries to work the refs, but he doesn't. He does a lot of just like kind of frustrated and disappointed looks that are frankly, I think, more respectable than what James does. But like it doesn't what Harden Harden does it for a reason. It, like the guys in European soccer, they die for a reason. It's because they need to force the refs to make a call. And I mean shit, Curry plays honorable as hell. I'll give him credit for that. And what he did tonight was kind of reminiscent of what Draymond did in game seven against uh LeBron when the Cavs beat them. You know, Draymond had that all-time great game, and we all forget about it because they ended up losing. You right. know, Steph kind of did that tonight, but um, you know, I guess Steph probably has to sell out on that regard if he really wants to get those calls. I mean, he got 14 free throw attempts; it's the most ever in the playoffs ever. It was the second most in a single game in his career. So, yeah, he, I mean, he did get to the line. Good point. I mean, two things I've noticed were one, it just feels like Steph going in in this game, it was a lot more crowded, which then means harder to see what's going on in there versus Kawhi seemed to have like clear lanes to get in there and then it can accentuate. And he really makes sure he makes contact with the defender and it makes it obvious. So I think the testament to the fact that they didn't have clay, they didn't have a lot of shooting. So they were really kind of collapsing into the lane against Steph and just wasn't a lot of room. But there, the one that ended up like probably ending the game early was, you know, Steph went hard to the basket and got like wrapped around the waist. It was pretty bad. No call. And that was the one you see Steph erupt at when you know, he doesn't normally go that crazy. And then they come right back down and get a Danny Green transition corner three wide open, probably because Steph didn't get back quick enough. Uh, and I was also really impressed with the fact that the, the Raptors were able to um, attack on those instances. They did not let up and would quickly get right back and get good shots. And then down the stretch in the fourth quarter, uh, the, 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 the Warriors had no answer. They simply were hitting good, tough shots. Uh, there was that one Van Vliet nail that was already the game was probably over, but like just sort of indicative of what was going on on offense. Um, I don't know. The Warriors probably should be really concerned at this point that they're going to lose a series, wouldn't you say? The, the Warriors are concerned? Yeah, of course. I mean, they're down 2-1. Uh, you know, if KD, it's funny. If Clay was out and KD came back, and actually Alexander Vargo thinks of the Super Chat is asking this, and I think it's an interesting question. So if it's just KD and Curry but no Clay, can the Warriors turn the series around and win it? Obviously, if that's for our next game, sure. I mean, they're only down 2-1, but if they were to go down 3-1, that'd be, that'd be kind of really pushing it there. But do you think if KD comes back next game that Warriors will still turn this around? Yes, I, I think the, I think Clay can do that. I think Clay's presence tonight would have really helped them and certainly made it you know even. Because here's the thing: the Raptors could not step on their neck and finish it. You know, they just they the Warriors kept hanging around. And you kind of were wondering they was like ten points with four and a half minutes and like they could do something. And um, they 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 you know then the Warriors talk about inopportune unforced turnovers. Draymond had a couple that were just he threw a lob that was just ridiculously a bad decision, and then he did another one. And even the the one that was gold 
goaltended by Ibaka. They didn't call. Uh, he tried to do some really weird one-handed drive and lost the ball on the way up kind of thing. So Draymond did not play well at all, I thought, offensively, or at least on, on those. And it was just really killing them in these inopportune moments. Let's take care of a couple other uh, Super Chats while we're here. Uh, Alonzo Lewis wants to tell us in the Super Chat, the refs were phenomenal tonight. And you know what? It's worth uh, it's worth the Super Chat to get in a nice, <laughs> um, what we call that, sarcastic uh, comment in there to get us to read it. And then Wardell, Steph Curry, uh, Stan, Curry the second, Stan is back saying, Game 2, Kawhi closed the space between himself and Clay and initiated contact, then later extended his arm, extends his arm versus Draymond but gets the call. Um yeah, there's, I, you know what? And I also lament, I did a video with Ronnie. It was two parts. I, it was late. I was hurrying. I was tired. It was like getting long. Um, I, I had a couple plays of uh, Kawhi initiating contact and kind of being really provocative. It's the one that like Looney got hurt on because he so crashed into him on yeah. purpose. Um, I didn't feel like that was that way tonight. Um, did you? No, no. Um, I, I felt like it was mostly just kind of pivot moves and you know, Statue of Liberty shots and stuff like that for Kawhi. It didn't seem like he was really forcing contact in the same way. Right. His movement is still off. He still looks like he's kind of slipping around in socks out there. Uh, really, okay. Really strange. I mean, but speaking of slipping around in socks, we got uh, Boogie Cousins out there who he did not look <laughs> good. Uh, and then defensively, he's really hurting them. Bogut kind of hurt them defensively too. And then Bell. Bell probably shouldn't have gotten that second run. I mean, it was three times in a row they ran a pick and roll against him. And let me just make it clear. If you're a player out there or you're a coach, you know, teaching sliding on defense is not the worst, like, fundamental to kind of get the base. But you have to understand, in today's game, and we're certainly seeing at the pro level, you can't expect to slide when a guy is running with the ball at you. You'll never keep up no matter what, even though I would argue that uh, Bell is probably laterally quicker than, than Lowry is, but he could not get in front of him and get beat three times real easy. So... Uh, that's a real problem too. That the Bell now Bell did make a couple of phenomenal blocks and did make up for it a little bit, but uh, they were killing him there. So it's a it's a problem that that that's the question. Does Clay kind of clean a lot of this up? Yeah, and the KD certainly gives them the advantage again. But KD is going to be out of shape and out of sync. Uh, but even his presence should help them immensely. And I think by the way that this means I think he's going to absolutely really make a push to play. And I bet you he's going to show up on the court. KD will. I'd be yeah, I'd be shocked if Katie doesn't get back by game five, and I'd be shocked if Clay doesn't play next game. Um, so I guess it, we have a couple answers from this game, which is that one, they got to max the hell out of Clay this off season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever they do, they got to pay him everything. It's so uh, he clearly is you know obviously worth it. Um, and yeah, when he's back out, because like there was just so much pressure on Steph to dribble penetrate tonight, and having clay out there will just make that so much easier because Toronto did a great job of really trapping the ball. And they put, they put Steph in some really peculiar situations. Now golden state. It's, it's so ironic that golden state who we kind of lot is like, you know, the advent of the five out offense, they are really making a living working out of the dunker spot and playing high, low offense. And that's, what's really working for them, especially working the ball with, uh, through Draymond from the elbow and, getting guys sticking in back door from that dunker spot. So, yeah. Um, I, but yeah, that, even, well, they're making a living on that because they're beautiful plays. I bet you there was four of those, right? Four scores that way. So it's not like a ton of them. And that was, what I was worried yeah. about what I was worried about, especially with was in the first half of the way Steph had to go off. Like he did. What were the shots? The other players were going to get either if Steph created it for him or they had to create on their own. They're all pretty much like threes. 
right? We finally got a little bit going to the basket in the second half better, but that's a worry because, A, those guys aren't really great three-point shooters anyway, and they're all sort of the catch-and-shoot, like, kick-out variety. You're not getting much attacking the basket and collapsing the defense. So that's at least – Clay does give you a little bit more of that too, so that will help, but that's a real concern. Uh, I think uh, – what do you think is the most uh, concern for Steve Kerr right now, his offense or his defense? Transition defense seems to be the biggest, I think, the place where they're giving up the most points that they can control. Um, the Toronto is just doing a really good job of getting the ball to the nail and then kicking out and getting good looks on three. I mean, uh, Fred had some great shots in transition. I mean, really, they got killed in transition by the uh, the Splash family, which is uh, Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Danny Green. I mean, those guys had probably had like the best shooting games of their career all on the same night, which is what really obviously buried um, – golden state tonight and it i would think we deserve i think danny green deserves a moment here in the sun on the show because we were questioning whether he should even be playing in the conference finals and he has been having like his best shooting run of his entire career now and he's hitting some unbelievable snipes out there where he's just kind of like falling over and just throwing up these daggers that are hitting bottom of the net it's been incredible to watch well, okay, let's not get too crazy. He had a couple that he had one like shot fake and then didn't move and then shot it again with the guy in, in his face at the end of the first half. But I would think, I, in my mind's eye right now, almost all those were just sort of, you know, catch and shoots that were relatively open. He had a, it's his he had one a couple job. like high movement catch and shoots where he's like falling forward and sniped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He had two I, of those. Yes, he definitely did. So, yeah. So, yeah. But, but by the way, that's, and I'm so glad to see him do his only job. Now, when I say only job, I know I'm talking <laughs> about defense and talking about offense. So don't get all crazy. I mean, on Twitter, the, some of the Raptors fans were doing that. Um, but anyway, uh, let's quickly get a couple more super chats because uh, they're coming in here fast and furious. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Alonzo Lewis really wants to make the point that the rest were phenomenal tonight, not one missed call, that he was not being facetious. And, okay, I, I guess I'm going to have to give it to you, Alonzo, if you want to do that to us. Uh, Scruler uh, just wants to be in the Super Chat, so thank you for doing that. And so does Julio Andino Velez. This is fantastic stuff, guys. Really, thank you. Uh, Alexander Varga back with the Love the Channel GTG. What does GTG mean? Go to... Uh, got gotta to go, go, I guess. Is that like okay. old school AIM chat? Yeah, right, right. Well, well, well T-Y. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the shiny Haxorus uh, says, no clay, comma, Lowry has a good game. Not a coincidence. Um, yeah, but the funny thing was is that like yeah. they actually put Draymond on uh, Lowry uh, a bit. And that, that was what worked for them really well in game two. And it did not work so well. I, what I was worried about in game two, which didn't happen, but happened in game three was Draymond overhelping or doing what he's normally doing. And that left Lowry open for like a catch and shoot three that he nailed in the right wing. Um, I can't think of any other ones, but that's certainly like a, you know, those are the, that's what would happen when, when Draymond's got to guard the point guard. Yeah, I think there was one where like uh, Lowry got kicked ahead in transition and he kind of caught the ball and turned around and just had like a wide open 17 footer and just buried it. I think a big part of it was just Lowry was in a rhythm. I mean, this was one of the best games of his life. And, you know, Draymond is going to be sitting off of him. That's kind of part of the game plan design, right? Draymond's not going to be marking him tight. And so, which is, I guess, maybe the flaw that they need to switch up next game because Lowry is clearly in a rhythm. And so they need to account for keeping a man on him tight. And frankly, I mean, just looking at the box score, he had, he was, you know, 23 points, nine dimes, three turnovers, shoddy for 16 played. For, I didn't realize he played 43 minutes. Wow. So he played a lot more minutes than I expected. Um, but point being is that he, I think if he's really on top of his game, 
then they need to at least have a rotation of guards to try to just get physical with him at the point of attack and not let him get into his comfortable spots. Mm-hmm. And I would rather do that than, you know, what the way that they're doing it now. For Which, sure. I guess if you have Clay out there and Clay is such a great defender and is persistent, that probably does fix that situation anyway. Yep. Lowry uh, definitely is the key here. And I said that in game two, uh, maybe uh, when you were not with the, us, uh, he is, he needs to be the guy who gets them there 20 and nine, like he did today. He was fantastic. And he was mixing it up. He was drawing crazy fouls. He was doing everything he needed to do. Let's run over really quickly to the Periscope because we got some good chats here. Let's run down some stuff. KX999 says, it's all good. The Warriors will win the next three games. Eh, don't know about that. Uh, mid-range, Hezzy Curry needs help. That is true. And, he, and he'll get it by the by next game, at least with the clay, probably. Ron Koff, Van Vliet with the dagger. Of course, Van Vliet had, uh, yeah, that was a huge, I mean, the dagger at that point was late. I think it was the, I, I kind of want to say the Danny Green dagger in the right corner, which was like with six minutes to go was the dagger to me. Um, let's see here. Seagull, 45, all bunch of numbers. Yo, what's up, coach? And what's up, Seagull? Uh, let's see here. Ron Koff wants to know if I've lost a little weight. I have. I'm actually dairy, gluten, and, um, what am I? Sugar free. And sugar's a big one. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great. Jared, I, I, I do the sugar challenge too. Okay. I just actually got back from Japan where I don't think I had any sugar while I was there. So, all right. Uh, keep it up. I guess it's working. <laughs> no? there you, yes. How was the sushi in Japan? Uh, amazing it was incredible i'll save the japan talk for the end of the pod just because there's so many people listening all right fair we'll enough. talk about that later there's a lot of interesting stuff we'll have to talk about the kemba story and all that but um you know uh here's another super chat wardle curry or wardle Stephen curry the second stand says that the raps needed 17 threes to beat the hurt warriors by 14 now like yeah obviously the raptors needed to be really good to beat the warriors um do you do you think that the Raptors' key to success is to continue to just you know, hoist up as many threes as they can, or yeah. do they, or do you just kind of continue to run this pick and roll game with Gasol and try to just get it organically out of that? I mean, w- whatever they did today was great, and by the way, most of their threes were really great shots. So the bottom line here is, if they can create shots like that, then take thirty-eight a game. That's fine. Uh, I don't think they're going to make forty-five percent of them again, but they'll, you know, if they're all, I mean, I, I, if I do a breakdown on that one, I don't know. We only have one day in between the games. I might try and sneak one in on the rest. Whatever. Uh, I think we're going to see. And tell me if you agree. You know, of the thirty-eight threes they took, thirty of them were like probably open. Right? Doesn't that feel that way? Yeah. It certainly felt that way, especially, I mean, I don't know the number, but just the ones in transition felt open almost every single time. Um, And, you know, I kind of mentioned it. I feel like we've buried the lead here where the pick and roll with Marcus soul was the best thing that Toronto had going tonight. I mean, that was, that was what really made their offense thrive in the uh, really throughout the third quarter and fourth quarter as well. I mean, just that, you know, Fred and Kyle were both in such a good rhythm tonight and they were getting good triple penetration. They were kicking out to the weak elbow, and they were getting the shots that way. And then, obviously, Kawhi would just kind of come in and clean up whenever they needed to. But whether it was Gasol rolling, Ibaka had some really good hard rolls that he only had, what, six yeah. points, I think, in the game? But he had so many rolls through the paint in the second half that really collapsed the defense and opened up the shots. So he had a lot of, I guess, roll assists, whatever you want to call it. Oh. I wish that was a stat. Yeah, Second spectrum, get on that. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's. I'll go on a quick diatribe. I feel like the pick and roll has kind of died out a little bit in prominence just because the pick and pop is so popular since we've had like player tracking data available the last few years. But we're seeing now that one, there's just more talented bigs 
And two, I think teams are trying to do this as a counter to the five out and just defenses being used to the five out. We're seeing a lot more pick and roll, it feels like, lately. And so I'm wondering if stuff like that is going to become more prevalent. Well, I, I agree. I, there's there's no uh, the, the value of a guy rolling the rim like that and how it sucks people in, you know, it can't be overlooked. And you're right. When when they get too much in the rhythm, it's like pick and pop, pick and pop, then all of a sudden you don't get the kind of penetration. It's not a penetration, but it almost it almost is, right? When you when you send a Nibaka or a, uh, a Siaka, or any of those kind of guys to the rim. It almost is like a, the penetrating with the ball, and then you get a, a lot of good shots. We got a couple of uh, more Super Chats. Again, thank you guys so much. What a great uh, night we're having so far. Scrooler has a question this time. KD or Clay in the game, even as a decoy, Golden State wins. I would think that if, Kay, if Clay plays, only Clay plays, I feel like the Warriors will win game four, right? Yeah, those guys would be on the floor even if they suck just because, they, because of that. Just because... Just having them spot up in the corner and just stand there and not do anything is more important. As yeah. long as they can play some defense, they would they would be out there if they could. Okay. I, I definitely don't think that's the problem. Oh yeah, for sure. And then they would, but I think that Clay changes tilts the scales to them if he plays game four. NMD TV. Can we talk about the horrible calls by the refs? Uh, let's put hang on for one second for the refs because we want. There's probably we already kind of talked a little bit, but we can go into more of a diatribe. Uh, but let's get through the other super chats real quick. Rasul Suarez. Do you feel Warriors more like a regular NBA team now without LD and Clay and Iguodala kind of injured? Uh, regular. Um, what do you think, Jared? Regular, what does that mean to you? Yeah, regular means that not just mortality, but that yeah. they have some like apparent weaknesses that they have to cover up and the other team can game plan against their star and force their star to do what they want. I mean, this this kind of reminded me of when uh, Milwaukee was having those games where Giannis would be doing everything and nobody else was coming through. That's yeah. really what this felt like. And so, yeah, that's really what I think of as a regular NBA team. It's like that one dominant player. And then you're hoping can the others, as people like to say nowadays, which Shaq popularized. And I hate that thing so much, but I'm saying it what? anyway. You're not, you're not a Lost um, fan? <laughs> Do you ever watch that show? Yeah, I don't think Shaq watches uh, any show oh, of right, intellectual awesome. capacity. But they, um, yeah, this, I mean, this is the perfect example of, one of the, a game of what a regular NBA team goes through where your main star is doing everything and then it's who else can step up around them. And that's never really an issue for the Warriors because they always have another star that can step up yeah. and up until this moment. And, but it's I also mean, difficult. Counts, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, when you take out a starter for any team, it's just a hard adjustment to do. And Clay certainly is that guy. And also the adjustment you have to make when KD came out uh, before. Uh, all those things are really difficult to overcome when you played a whole long season of six months with those guys and gotten all grooved. So, uh, you know, any team will have that problem. And it's just more pronounced because they are so top heavy there. The Pioneer. Do you think it was a mistake for uh, Clay not to play? You know what? This is the one game they they could afford to sacrifice to, to give Clay a couple extra days of rest because remember there's only one day between this one and the, and the next one. So uh, you got to kind of get it to the game four. If he had gotten if he aggravated it in game three and he's then he's out for like the rest of the series, that really kills you. So I think this is the one game they could afford to do that, right? Completely agreed. All right, Jefferson Perez, huge super chat. Thank you so much. Wow. Uh, the Raptors haven't taken advantage of attacking Curry on offense. When Clay and if KD returned, you see the Raptors attacking Curry more often to wear him down and force him into foul trouble. This is interesting. I saw an interview with Nick Nurse, and they, maybe it was a, in the game interview from last game where they asked him, like, you don't seem to be willing to go at Curry. Like, why is that? 
And he had a great line. He's like, you know, a lot of times when teams try and do that, it ends up being out of their offense. It's not something they do. They don't let a rhythm doing it. Doesn't, they don't feel comfortable. So they just haven't been targeting. I just don't think they're going to, they're not going to do what, what the Rockets would do, which would you try and force a switch of Curry onto Lowry, I guess, and let him go. I also don't think that they feel that comfortable with Lowry attacking one on one with Curry anyway, like not like, like not like hardened against uh, Curry, right? Yeah, so th- this has been a weird one because, you know, what Cleveland always did throughout the years was they would always take LeBron at the top of the key, take whoever yeah. um, whoever Steph was guarding, send him up for the ball screen and force a switch. And I feel like that shouldn't be too hard of something for Toronto to do, whether they're doing it with Kawhi or whether they're just doing like a straight-on pick-and-roll with uh, whomever uh, Steph is guarding at that point. Um, but... I, I feel like Kawhi can can work that same situation, and maybe they're not doing it with Kawhi because Kawhi is still hobbled, and so they just don't think it's really worth their time, and they don't want to put Kawhi in these high high um what do you call it? high up top isolation situations, and they've yeah. been doing a really good job of getting Kawhi the ball in you know weird spots from like the baseline or wherever where he can kind of uh you know you, you know kind of pivot and use the baseline to his advantage or just you know dribble from the top of the key to get to his spot on the right elbow so yeah i mean what their, their recipe is working right now I, yeah. I don't think there's they don't need to get to that but if they're down and they need kind of the offensive equivalent of going to the box in one then i think that probably is where they're going to go right to. and i do think that what we've seen enough times consistently is that when Kawhi begins to do his isos uh, even earlier in the game, they'll they'll send a, a second defender just running at him to get it out of his hands. So I suspect that. And by the way, that's not bad either. So I think that the Raptors would like to see that, independent of if whether they need to force Curry on him or not. They're going to kind of do that anyway. So they'll get some advantage that way. So it's, it's 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 a risky move. It didn't kill them in game two or in game one when they were doing it, but. Um, you know, it is, it's giving them confidence. It's giving them a rhythm. And, uh, yeah, they, the, the Warriors need to be concerned across the board. We got another super chat here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, JD Robin one says, what do you think about Boogie's mobility around the basket? He could barely get off the ground. Here's the thing. He could barely get off the ground. Like when he first came back before the second injury, this injury to his leg anyway. Yeah. So this is not new. He had, he had a spin move. It was nice. He should have finished. And he, he literally just, and you could see him be deflated after he got blocked by Gasol or whatever happened there. Um, so it's not good. And he rushed back. Um, I was impressed by his energy on defense the first two games, but this is not this game. He did not have it. And uh, he I thought he really hurt them defensively. To his credit, he did have a backward shot underneath the rim that he hit. So how? That. But, how? Yeah. I don't know, but you know, Boogie's game has always been pretty ground bound. Um, you know, he's the you know the big thing with him is that he's not attacking from the elbows on the perimeter. That's what like makes him so good is that he has he can draw two and kick, or he can just kind of terrorize you with that spin move going through the lane. He can't really do any of that, so he's a he's kind of basically Kavon Looney right now, which. I guess it's oh. fine if his, if he's nailing his defensive rotations and he's playing out of the dunker spot like we were saying. But Iguodala is way more effective at the five right now than he is. Than Boogie? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, listen, game two, you couldn't have argued that. But this game, yeah, he, and he wasn't this getting the up. same kind of passing. And that's the thing is his passing does, you know, open up a lot of things. Uh, but, it, you know, it just goes to show you when you have, you know, uh, Alfonso McKinney out there versus Clay, it just changes things. Now, uh, let's talk about real quickly, uh, uh, Mirzik Kodrich. Thank you so much. He loves the channel, the best overall B-baller. Uh, Michael Jordan is Kawhi the best overall B-baller. Oh, 
Uh, Kawhi could definitely be up there. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now on the floor, he's probably the best. He is the best player. And then a Gimpy, a Gimpy Lobster, love the vids, and more collabs with Heat Check. For sure, Stefan will come back. I'm sure I'll have to catch him where uh, if we can get our time zones aligned. We got to get back to the refereeing because uh, we know that MMD TV uh, wanted to talk about that in the Super Chat. So, uh, we did talk about it a little bit, but is there anything we left out? I mean, I'm going to go through my notes. Talk to me. What do you think? I mean, um, I already covered. I felt Steph probably should have got more fouls uh, on the floor. Yeah, I, I thought okay. that he kind of got chipped there a little bit. Uh, they, we Did we agree that there was three goaltends that they missed? Uh, yeah, I think it was three. And by the way, Ronnie Nunn just texted me, and it looks like he's up and around and ready and taking notes already. So we're going to have a good show tomorrow. Um, but three, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was so bad in the beginning. You know, uh, Mark Davis called a backcourt violation when Danny Green throws the ball to Gasol. Oh, yeah. And they, they reversed it, but like, what are you doing? Danny Green was a foot, like two steps behind the half court line before he threw it. You can't, you have to be in the front court before you can throw it and have a backcourt violation. So you may remember that one. I mean, I wrote down some other ones here. Um, let's see here. Well, there was Lowry, didn't Lowry get the foul call on McKinney when McKinney was like kind of leaning down and reaching towards him? And yeah. then Lowry just like jacked up like a, like a Harden esque uh, flopper. Yeah. But, McKinney never it didn't seem like McKinney ever touched him it was well, like the ref just saw him in the area and called it there there was uh, some contact perhaps and I tweeted it out but never saw the responses of of uh, McKinney's left like forearm you know it touches him on the right hip leg area like as he was flailing back on a on a fadeaway it was it was all you know Lowry flopping on that to get that call that was also I believe Mark Davis uh but there was at least two no there might have been three really late calls where they like obviously waited to see if the shot was going to go in or not and then called it. I think it was three. And that's those that's horrible. Then there was the makeup call. They called the charge on Kawhi going to the basket that uh, Draymond took, if you remember that one. And it was it was clearly a makeup call because of uh, I think it was tell me that was it when the uh, when they handed off Danny Green? You think I think that was the one, you know. The hand up, yeah. So whatever it was, it's like it was just terrible. Now the first half was really as bad as could be. The second half had some problems too. I don't know if I took any notes on those. Let's see here, but um, yeah. So the refereeing, I mean, it was hard to believe that it was worse in Game Three, but it really kind of felt that way. And I don't know the players. It's difficult to play in the situation when you when you when it takes you out of your game like that. And um, you know, and certainly, yeah, when you, you throw all that in there, it definitely felt like the, the Raptors got a little bit of an advantage, a little bit. Even though, what, what was the free throw? Uh, uh, Dichotomy. It was, was the 20, 21 for Toronto, 30 for the Warriors. And okay, so there I you mean, go. I, I would chalk that up mostly to Steph's uh, you know, super aggressive play. That's why yeah. the Warriors have more. Um, there, was, there was a really interesting one was that when Danny Green had the chase down block, he uh, was in the fourth quarter right on Steph. And um, was that Steph or was that Quinn Cook, actually? It was Quinn uh, Cook. But, the, on the Ibaka, Cook, yeah. Oh, no, Danny Green, Chase down Box. Is that what you mean? Yeah. But yeah, Green, yeah. yeah, so Green Green smacks from behind. Obviously, the, the smack was clear. Yeah. But there was a ton of lower body contact and knocked over Cook. Yeah. But you would call a foul in the, in that case, right? I, I, I tweeted that one out for sure. Uh, I mean, I said great, amazing hustle, great block. But, yes, awful lot of contact. And it really wasn't even Green. It was Lowry who, like, hits him almost at the same time as, as the lock is happening. Um, you know, it, it's probably Quinn Cook. That's why. And I think McKinney got a couple fouls again because he's, he's McKinney. And, you know, we, you can't really complain necessarily about that, I guess, because that's, that's how it's been since the NBA started. You know, you throw these guys out there. They don't have names. They don't have reputations. And they get those fouls. And it's, or they don't get the call. And it's really too bad. 
Um, but, I, you know, again, you hope it doesn't really affect the overall result of the game. I, the Raptors deserve to win, right? They played they played better. So, yeah. you know, luckily we're not in that situation. But I'm worried that we're heading that. We're, we're going to get a call that's going to be like it's going to decide a game. And it, it's really a problem. Um, we have a couple more uh, Super Chats. Uh, let's see here. JD Robin won again another super chat. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. If Steph wins a ring this year, where would you rank him in the all-time point guard rankings? Is he better than Stockton, the big O Zeke? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just magic at this point. Yeah. And I don't know if he's gonna pass magic unless he gets a few more here. But like, you know, magic was the best player of a generation. Well, Steph is too, I guess, right? But uh yeah, I put him number two behind magic, probably yeah. already at this point. Yeah, I would put him there for for sure. And, and here's the thing, you know, the Warriors are not getting any younger. They're all 30 plus. So, you know, we're going to start to see the decline at some point. Now, I know Steph's game should allow him to play, get like three more years of like, I don't know, prime, but three year awesome years. So I think we're okay for a little while. But, you know, all these guys are getting injured. They're slowly, slowly breaking down. This is the thing where we're going to, you know, this is the chance I feel like to, if you, you're building your team now to, to try and get the Warriors because this is, you know, not that this is the last year, but, you know, this is going to be the last year or two where they're going to be as in, you know, and then if Katie leaves, then they're really going to be vulnerable. Um, Russell Suarez, again, thank you so much. Wow. Any comment on the awesome defense Ibaka played in the last minutes? He has to continue playing like that. Yeah, Ibaka, you know, they said on the, on the broadcast, he looked like the player of the, the old Ibaka. And, yeah, and he's a little dirty, by the way. You, know, you, ever, you ever really watch Ibaka? Yep. Yeah, he, he's he's a clever guy. Clever guy. Yeah, but, like, he's down there. I mean, he had one on Quinn Cook where he just shoved him out of the way. The ball went in. That was a Lowry jump shot, so whatever didn't really matter. But he's constantly, like, just trying to jack people down low under the basket, and they don't call it. Um, but he was really active. Um, yeah, and that's why they got him in again. And another When he can do that, then they're really tough to beat. Yeah, and, I mean, he – let's see. He had that center field play he had where – Draymond lopped up a like kind of like a cross court uh, alley oop, and he knocked that one out and started the transition defense. Yeah. Um, a couple plays later, he has a kind of a delayed pick and roll, and he's able to kind of get the seal right through the middle of the lane, and they they feed him, and he draws that weird. He does a kind of like the you know like the what do you call it? what do you call the move when you're under the hoop and you're kind of like have the ball over your head and you're just pivoting around waiting to get the look, whatever he's just pivoting around and. He gets like that weird one that he like floats it up and it bounces off the rim. He draws a foul. I mean, that was a huge play. Um, but, you know, Golden State didn't really didn't really make it hard for him because they were loaded. I guess because Bogut was out there in the fourth quarter and they had they always had somebody hiding down in the dunker spot. He was able to basically play center field down the stretch there. And I thought they made it too easy on him. Yeah, no, I hear you. They, they, the, the defense just wasn't there. They couldn't get pressure. They couldn't get stops. Uh, and then you throw in the fact that they really couldn't get scores. There were a, a number of moments when they cut the leads. It's eight and six, I think. And they just they would miss easy shots, uh, the Warriors. So they they really had some chances. And because you know, you know what might happen if they cut that lead to five or four. And by the way, the, the call that they made on Cook after he handed off and he kind of ran into Lowry, that was a that was a step three that would have cut it to four, I believe. And then I think they go back down. I think maybe even Kawhi hits a three right away after that. That was crucial. I know it was really kind of earlier on still, but that was crucial. Um, you know, and it, it, you have to imagine a couple of those go down and they cut it to four, cut it to three. You know, then we get some sphincteritis from the, the Raptors. Oh, I haven't used that term in a long <laughs> time. And, uh, and you know, you don't, you don't know what happens at that point, And that would change the, the complexion. So it's why this is going to be a seven game series, I think, no matter what, uh, the way this is going. I mean, 
We'll see. Eric Pincus, who was on the podcast, or I was on his or whatever, he said he's, he thinks the Raptors are going to win five. And then he quoted that again tonight on Twitter. Um, it's playing that way. We'll see. But I, don't, I just don't feel it. Um, but what, okay, Samuels is a beast on, on um, Periscope, wants to know what are your predictions for the series? What's your prediction? Raps and seven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, listen, the home team wins that how many? Seventy percent of the time, eighty percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they have they have control of the series, home court advantage. Ka- you know, Kawhi. Hopefully, will get into even more of a rhythm. He's already playing well, but like, yeah, more of a rhythm. Uh, but also, I mean, they're getting. I don't. I, I don't want to call it shooting luck, but they're getting really good shooting out of their backcourt right now. And Siakam's playing well. And Gasol's having. I mean, everyone's playing well right now. Like, they're, this game was literally every player in their core six rotation had a really good game. So that's what it takes for them to beat the Warriors at basically their worst with Steph doing everything. So obviously, mm-hmm. I think that makes me feel that if the Warriors are getting healthy, they're going to be clearly the better team. But I, I have no expectation for the Warriors to get completely healthy right now. So I'll lean, I'll lean Raptors. Okay, wow. I, I still feel like the Warriors are going to win, um, but I, I kept saying in six. Um, but I don't know. I, it definitely feels like, you know, it, it, whoever's going to win this is going to be seven. And uh, I, you know what? I'll just be contrarian. I'll say the Warriors somehow pull it out in some magical, epic fashion uh, of craziness. But um, it's yeah. it's kind of ridiculous that it's contrarian to say the Warriors are going to win the <laughs> yeah, NBA right. finals. Like, right. Yeah, they're the, they're by far the best team in the NBA. So yeah, yeah I, I I think I, I expect the Warriors to pull it out. It's you know even if they're not completely healthy, it's just it's like you know the, the Raptors are winning the series right now. It's really hard to pick against a team that just went up two one and played a perfect game. Fair enough. Well, Jigolo Pub is out there moderating the chat, so big shout-out to him again. Thank you. He's always out there lurking, ready to uh, help us with all the uh, the inappropriate uh, comments, which there aren't, you know, too many these days. Thank goodness. I don't know. It's weird. You know, YouTube is, is much better than Periscope this year, where it used to be the opposite. And what's wrong with Periscope? Why aren't there more people in there? Why aren't they getting all the comments? It's weird. We used to get thousands of people on Periscope. Um, yeah. Now I mean, they're we all got like 3,000 people on YouTube right now watching, so yeah. shout-out to everybody watching. Yeah, yeah, we got some really good stuff. So, um, all right, we've covered a lot of the stuff. I don't know if there's anything else to go over with this game all right, in terms uh, of immediate reactions. Fred Van Vliet, hey, man. Yeah, uh, I, I put in my night. Uh, so um, when we do these live shows, the software asks us to put in a name. I always try to do something funny. So I put Fred Van Vliet stand in because it's just it's been a wild ride. I mean, it just shows – the importance of procreation obviously is that this is what allows you to be a great shooter i mean fred had that that shot with like a minute and a half left where mm-hmm. Kawhi somehow got through the double and then hit him and he yeah hit, he like fell over hit the rainbow it yeah. was insane he, and he had a shot earlier before that and i think in the fourth quarter where he took like an 18 footer and the ball went like really really high on the arc and it looked like it like hit the ceiling and like went straight down yeah. it was really weird i don't know if it like hit a bird in the air or something like that but <laughs> right. it's so interesting watching you know cuz Lowry and Fred are two of the biggest rainbow shooters in the nba it's just so interesting every time they put up a shot it looks like they're throwing up a prayer and it goes in so often it's really surprising yeah but, and and by the way mckinney also shoots a really high arcing ball too and he made a one uh yeah there's always we we, we talk about this all the time as far as our Arc and what the optimal arc should be, and uh, you know, there's there is a limit to how high you want to go before you can keep control. But some of those guys are able to do it, um, and you know, in theory, the higher the arc, the bigger the target is on the way down um, if you can control the distance. Uh, we got a couple more super chats. Kevin, you, Actually, DG, yeah, 
quick ref thing because we're on that shot. Draymond hit Fred when Fred landed. Um, that it's kind of ridiculous that that didn't get called, even Wait, though do I mean don't think when it, Draymond landed. Yeah, well, Draymond whatever, the point is they, they hit. Fred, I mean, not Draymond. He, Fred hit that, oh, yeah, when Fred hit that rainbow shot, Draymond hit him in the oh, air. Yeah, but Fred but, might have already. Yeah, but Kawhi traveled before he threw it to him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, everybody. The, <laughs> none of these plays should count because there's so many violations on them. But right. the point is, like, they were so obsessed with calling that in the previous series. And then Fred gets hit kind of wide open. Draymond lands on him and knocks him over. And I don't understand how they don't call that considering how much of an emphasis there was on it. Yeah. And, you know, it, we're tired of the airspace calls. And I, so I, I and at least it wasn't like a, you know, the point of the airspace call is that you don't want guys sticking their feet under where the guy's landing to keep them safe. So landing on top of the guy after the shot and just bumping him isn't like a isn't really right. a risk thing so it's not that big of a deal but i just i was just so surprised that that didn't get called but i think that's a great example of the refs not wanting to for one the shot went in so right. maybe the refs if it didn't go in they would have called it yeah but if they called it then draymond would have lost his mind Jeremy, yeah. guarantee you draymond would have been ejected from the game if they called that wow maybe yeah but like yeah i because either either Kawhi uh shifted his feet before the pass or he landed and or both before tossing it to him and Kawhi, by the way Really gets away with some 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 footwork uh, that that is traveling. They don't call it. He had a dunk, also where he took like three steps after he gathered, and they were really quick. But um, but like, and it was a dunk, and he was probably dunk anyway. But like, it's just it's a travel. You got to call that. It's weird. Uh, Kevin, you uh, super chat. Thank you so much from Canada. We got Canadian super chat here. DG was great Ew. versus Curry in the regular season. He's the key. DG, Draymond Danny. Green. Danny Green. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. He was, he, he's the key. I mean, he certainly is a key when he's nailing shots for sure. It opens up things for everybody else. And then Jay Robin one says, who was your favorite player in each finals team? Uh, go. Oh, that's good. Fred, I guess Fred uh, and uh, Draymond. Draymond's one of my favorite players ever. Okay. Interesting. Um, who was my favorite player? I, I guess I'd have to go with Van Vliet. Uh, as, wait, that's you chose? The way that he's been scrapping on defense, he's been making yeah. so many nice plays, uh, the shots that he's hitting. I mean, you could say the same thing about Lowry. Um, I loved Siakam, the way that he's been playing this year, and he's still great, but I think he's just – he doesn't have that – he doesn't have that X factor of creativity for me yet that I think I really love, and those guys have that. Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the lineups we're talking about, I think the key here for Kerr when he's in a situation like that without Clay and all these people is it's the lineups. You've got to figure out which five you can play because the starters really didn't do well. I mean, they got hammered in the beginning of both halves. Um, it, it struck me as what, what I thought would, would work the best would be like Quinn Cook, Alfonso McKinney, and then – uh, Draymond, Steph, and I, you know, I, I, I guess you put, um, oh, you go Boogie there, or you take Boogie out and let Draymond play the five and put Iggy in instead. Um, I think that might have been their best lineup. They didn't really play it. Uh, I don't think they played that one at all with Iggy uh, in there. But that seemed to me like the, the one thing that they couldn't solve um, because they just didn't have any other playmakers. So uh, that's the real question of, you know, again, if Clay comes back, it's all moot. No one, you know, he'll be able to figure out those lineups a lot easier. But, sure. Um, that's the one thing I felt like uh, Kerr just didn't quite get out of the box well enough uh, tonight. Yeah, and um, we we saw a question. I, I lost the person's name. Sorry. Someone asked, why are they still going to the Gasol pick and roll? Am I losing my mind? Or I, I thought that was extremely effective. I thought they got so many good 
three-point looks out of that. And Gasol was also doing a good job on the short roll of kind of spinning through the lane and getting his hook shot off. So I thought it was extremely effective. I mean, the pick and roll overall was really effective, and it hurt because I'm thinking more about – I'm thinking about Lowry attacking and doing well, but I now and I know I, I can see it's Bell guarding him, for instance, on those three, but I can't see if it's Gasol in my mind. But, yeah, I mean, the pick and roll overall was killing them. So, yeah, if, if you want to accept that as a fact, then obviously Gasol is setting a ton of those. He, he does – whenever they run him, it's going to be him when he's in almost all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that wasn't much of a problem at all. Now, I don't think it's all – did, did he score, like – let's see. Oh, he had 17 points. Wow, that was a very quiet 17 yeah. points from him. He had, so he had some really nice kind of hook shots through the lane in the fourth quarter or third quarter. I can't remember which now. Um, yeah. he, he had that one three there earlier. I mean, and he only played 26 minutes, but I thought it was really good on the short rolls. He, uh, he had some nice, uh, he had some nice, um, what do you call it? Uh, like, you know, post up plays. So I thought, I thought he's good. I thought they got exactly what they needed out of him for sure. Yeah, no, I, I exactly. And that's what they needed uh, for this. Jedi Jazza has a, another super chat for us. Thank you. Uh, Curry with 47, eight and seven still gets hated. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I didn't hate him. Maybe, maybe he's reading the we, chats. We've been extolling him for having an all-time performance in this game. I mean, he. Uh, yeah. I, I I compared it to the Draymond game seven in 2016, which I think is one of the best games I've ever seen. So yeah, uh, yeah. Steph Steph was all-time great tonight. So yeah. it's um, a great a great example of how any of these Warriors players, how great they are. That like when you put them on their own they'll get you 40 points. And so you see him score 25 all the time, and you think they're not scoring as much as they could. Yeah, it's very apparent. Steph could score. He could average 35 a night the way Harden does if he had this comparable right. usage. He's one yes. of the best scorers ever. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Someone wanted to say that Kawhi was uh, in, in fouled. The, in, I'm yeah. sorry, just eight rebounds for the point guard is amazing, especially against yeah. the length that Toronto has. That's and incredible. Had, and a couple of them were really tough rebounds. It wasn't just a grab and long rebounds and, or out of a free throw. He grabbed a couple in there. He was mixing it up. I mean, listen, I've, I've extolled uh, Steph's ability and his toughness forever. I was probably the first one to come out with that. So, yeah, he definitely. Andy Cornell wanted to say Kawhi was fouled prior to the travel. Uh, maybe that was so too. Again, it just it adds to the whole, you know, refs, the ref problem that we thought that tonight. Okay. Uh, yeah. Every fourth quarter play in the NBA playoffs is a litany of violations by both sides that eventually culminates into a, you know, into a basket or a non-basket. Right. Okay. Fair that's enough. I mean, it, that's why you call it, it's why it's playoff basketball. They get to play more physical. And that's why I was complaining about, uh, was it Quinn Cook? I think it or uh, McKinney, I forget who that had that little ticky tack reach foul on Lowry because Lowry flopped. But it's like they allow these guys to not even hand check, but just to have a hand on the guy. And then once in a while, they decide they're just if the guy throws up the shot when someone's even remotely in the area, then they then they call it then. It, it just doesn't logically connect. But also, it's like you're officiating a high impact game and a high intensity game. So I get it. There's going to be stuff. There's going to be stuff like that. Fair enough. There's a question in the, in the chat who wants to know how old Nick Nurse is. He's 51. Um, and so is that right? 51? Which, Did I do yeah. Which blows my mind because he looks like he's like 36. Uh, he certainly looks younger than 51. Yeah. Uh, I, I give him like, you know, 42. <laughs> but 42. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it sucks to get old. Nonetheless. Well, listen, speaking of getting old, I, you know, I think we're going to wrap this chat up. What do you say? All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, great chats across the board. I mean, you know, I, I didn't really peek over at the, the Periscope to see just for fun. Um, Rob, 878078 asks, do you think that the, with Warriors having Cousins, Clay, KD, that people started to underrate Curry? 
Uh, well, it's basically you, you just made the point that, yes, right, if he had higher usage because of those guys who were not on the team, then, yeah, people would probably – I think they definitely dismiss him or not dismiss him, but certainly underrate might be the best word. Yeah, and you know, I, I feel like a lot of people have done a good job of hitting on this in the last year or two is that Steph's gravity is just so immense and he, he affects the opposing team's game plan so much that even if he's not a two-way player impacting on the level – that guys like Kawhi and Giannis do, he still probably is the best player in the NBA just because he impacts teams the, at the same level that Harden does and is probably even harder to guard than Harden himself. So, right. yeah, he's still he's still the best player in the NBA. For sure. Well, listen, I want to do a shout-out to Carlos out there who ran into me on the street today as I was walking around L.A. He's a Clippers fan. We had, we discussed uh, where Kawhi might go. He thinks he's going to the Clippers. Even if, they, even if the Raptors win the title, he thinks he'd leave because he won the title, and he's conquered, and now he can leave. So uh, shout-out to him. Shout-out to you, Jared, for making it back from uh, Japan and not being jet-lagged and can join us. Thank you. Uh, two things. One, I am so miserably sick right now from jet lag, so that's not true, but had to be here. Two, um, shout out to uh, Ryo and Meg from Coast to Coast Cafe in Harajuku District of Japan. Um, two of the biggest NBA fans I've ever met in my life. They run this cafe called the Coast to Coast Cafe, and Kemba Walker and I got to have lunch there together, and the food was amazing. They made us this like, uh, kind of like a take on like a sausage dog, but it would co- it was covered in this melted cheese and these spices. It was unreal. French fries with this like special Japanese type of salt. That was amazing. Um, they were super hospitable. Uh, I told them to watch the show, so hopefully they're watching. Although I've, I can't remember what time it is there. I think it's 11 a.m. right now back okay. there. Um, and uh, But it was if you're ever in Tokyo, please go there. It is an amazing NBA experience. It's the only NBA cafe in Japan. I'm going to have a lot more on that in the future, but uh, that was a really cool experience. So, wow. It's 1.30 yeah. there, so there's a, they're awake and maybe um, they're watching. I got it backwards, yeah. So it's 13 hours ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am going to miss getting to watch finals games at 9 in the morning. That was uh, that was a pretty amazing treat. Wow. Well, welcome back to America, and uh, hope you get adjusted and acclimated back to our time zone. And we'll have plenty – well, you know, won't have that much time for Friday. I got. I don't know if I'm going to do a Friday night uh, post-game show. I got people coming over to my house to celebrate my, my sister-in-law's birthday. Uh, so we'll oh, see. happy so, birthday, sister-in-law. Yes, I hope I can actually be able to watch the game in peace without anybody bothering me, but I don't know if I'm able to jump in and, and get it. We'll see. It will, you know, let me know in the chat if you want me to really you – know, be a jerk and get we'll run out of my this party in my house and go do this. So we'll see. Uh, other than that, I think uh, we're good. So thank you so much for doing this great live show across the board. Thank you everybody for the super chat. And don't forget, sports fans at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Jared? I'm back in America. Merck. <laughs>